Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi there, and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast with my special guest, Ben Kay. All right, Lowell, how are we? Just pouring you a pint of London Pride. An outstanding pint, if I might say so, and the official beer of the British and Irish Lions, which is what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and it takes skill. Right, that probably rules me out then. Dedication. Indeed, indeed. And time. Yes, it takes all of those things to get into the Lions squad. Oh, actually, I was talking about the skill, dedication and time that goes into brewing an ale like London Pride. Oh, absolutely. But it's the same if you want to be a Lion and to play with Pride. There you go, mate. Thank you very much. We've got our pints, lol. We're all set for the match. And this podcast in partnership with London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Cheers. Cheers. And remember, please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hello and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast. This week, coming from the Minories pub in London, although uh, my sat-nav must have sent me somewhere completely different because I'm in... uh, County Donegal in a place called Rathmullen in Ireland. But as it is the British and Irish Lions, I'm doing my bit for Irish rugby. But luckily, my special guests have all found the right way to the Minories. So hello to Ben Kay. And from the Evening Standard, the world's hardest working sports correspondent, it is, of course, Will McPherson. Uh, hello, gents. Good evening to you both. Lol, nice of you to uh, turn up. <laughs> <laughs> to my own podcast. And, of course, I'm delighted, as I can see Tommy's there, to welcome you to one of Scotland's top try scorers and a man who represented the British and Irish Lions on tour in New Zealand in 2017. It is, of course, Tommy Seymour. Tommy, good evening to you too. Hello, Lawrence. Thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. I can see you've all got pints in hand. So... Uh, uh, enjoying that. So, Tommy, um, I must ask you why you're there. Um, you've obviously been keeping an eye, hopefully, on the, on the Lions tour so far. Uh, I remember from your own days, I think you were one of two Scots that went out to New Zealand. There's obviously an enormous Scottish contingent of players this time around. Um, what's been your first impressions? Obviously, the wingers have uh, got off to a flying start, but you, I take it you've been watching it with interest. Yes, I have indeed. Uh, it's great to see the amount of Scottish guys on this uh, on this tour. Um, I was one of one of three that went on the original one before we were joined by the two that that came across as part of the six. Um, but yeah, look, the Scottish boys. I think personally, from a Scottish perspective, I think they've done incredibly well. As done, you know, as have the rest of the guys in the tour. To be fair, I think it's been alluded to already on a on a number of occasions from various sources that there hasn't really been a player on that tour that's that's really put a foot wrong thus far. Um, certainly, the same goes for all the Scottish guys. They've all put their hand up incredibly well. And from a winger's perspective, 
I think every one of them seems to be firing. I think eight tries from, from Josh Adams in three games is, is absolutely ridiculous, and, and the others aren't far behind. So, yeah, very interesting viewing coming into the test next week. And, uh, and listen, we, we asked Ben and, and our previous guests um, that experience of pulling on the Lions jersey. You obviously did that in New Zealand, uh, probably one of the toughest tours the Lions have ever been on. Can, can you just give us all the, uh, all the live audience there and our listeners just a, a little bit of a recollection of, of, of what that feeling was like for you to be selected, uh, but also to pull on that jersey in New Zealand for the first time? Yeah, it's a very surreal experience. Obviously, there's a lot of... You know, there's a lot of emphasis that gets put around the selection day and, you know, when you speak to your friends and family, they're, they're very much, um, they very much think you might have as, as a player an indication or an idea that you might be involved, but it really does, it, you know, there's no, uh, there's no inclination whatsoever that, you know, your name might come out of the hat and for me it was a, it was a very special day. You know, it's a, it's a boyhood dream of every rugby player and, you know, to go on a tour that, you know, is, is it's a fantasy. It's something you never really think could be possible. So when it happens, it's a really special and, and surreal moment. And then, you know, it's been said before by many players in the past, when you see a Lions jersey on the peg in the changing room, knowing that you're about to, you know, put it on for the first time, it's very special. It, you know, it, it pulls something deep within you that you never thought was possible. And to look around a changing room and take in the faces and names of, of all the various countries that are represented in the Lions players that you've had such fierce competition with over the years to know that you're all coming together as one about to enter a field and play against uh, you know a different opposition together is is very very special we know that the guys have had some real challenges on this tour particularly in terms of uh trying to sort of emulate previous lions tours in terms of the, the camaraderie etc it's very difficult for them that i believe they're in single rooms um we had um as one of our guests on a previous podcast we had jonathan joseph who, who joined us in the the, the second podcast we did, uh, I believe that you actually run with him in New Zealand. Um, can you uh, can you dish the dirt on JJ? JJ was he a good roommate? Listen, I'll keep it all polite. JJ was a great roommate. JJ actually was my very first roommate. Um, I walked into the Vale for our first week uh, and JJ was there. I think Anthony Watson wasn't far behind. I think those two are, are never far behind each other. Um, no, JJ was a great guy. Look, I was, um, I was a very shy lonely Scotsman walking into that room and yeah JJ had a, had a nice warm welcome for me and, and we got on well uh, we were on the Watt bikes every morning at, at 7 a.m. so that kind of bonded the two of us together quite closely but no a great fella and um, yeah very good roommate. Listen I, I know that you're you're very close to, uh, to to some of the Scots guys who are out there at the moment obviously Finn Russell you, you would have played an enormous amount with Hamish Watson probably one or two others have you have you, have you been in touch with any of them? Have they been in touch with you or have you just sort of left them to their own devices? Yeah, I think for the most part, you just kind of leave them to their own devices. I can only imagine that, you know, they get inundated with messages from family and friends and you certainly want, you know, don't want to burden them too much with having to feel like they have to respond to you. But um, yeah, I've been, in, I've been in contact. I've sent a, a couple of messages across to the boys when they've been selected and doing really well, you know, particularly the Glasgow boys and Ali Price and Xander um, getting to experience yeah. their first tour. So you know, I fire the odd message across just to see how everything's going and um, make sure that they know everyone back home is cheering them on. And, uh, and, and, and from your own point of view, look, Ben and I were very much uh, involved from a, from a broadcast perspective for that, that wonderful tour that you were on in New Zealand. Um, it was an amazing experience, um, you know, an incredible result. Um, whilst you didn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, you weren't, able, you weren't picked in the test side, Rubbing you had in. obviously a huge... Well, you had a huge impact, I was about to say, on the trip itself. You know, you scored a lot of tries. You played in, in the games, uh, uh, certainly in the lead-up to that, that, that test series. 
what I mean, if you could pull out one of those, one or two highlights for you individually, um, you know, other than just being part of a successful Lions tour, what, what, what would they have been? Yeah, I mean, obviously scoring tries as a winger is a, is a great thing. And I remember crossing the whitewash for my first try. It was an incredibly special moment. I think Josh Adams has scored the same amount of tries I did in about six minutes um, <laughs> since his first game. So, yeah, somewhat dulled down that for me. Um, but I suppose the other things is, uh, JJ rightly alluded to it last week on the, on the podcast he did, which was the, the cultural embrace in New Zealand. Um, getting to experience, you know, their culture out there, the way they, they view rugby. Um, it's, such, it's such a part and parcel with their day-to-day -day life out there. Um, the welcoming ceremony for one was a, was a real highlight for me. And then the second one being the, the first game we played. I, I mentioned previously about seeing the shirt on the peg in the changing room. But that experience, when you pull it over, you know, you, you get a team talk from a captain that, you know, you're used to hearing from a different voice, but you're hearing from a, from a new captain for the first time. And you're all running out together onto the onto the field, and I remember there was fans, and it wasn't just a I can't remember the name of the stadium, but it wasn't a, a clear-cut stadium in regards to all seated all around. There was people sitting on hills and and various parts around, and it was it was a very surreal moment. Just this sea of red on one side, and then this just um, embrace from New Zealand that were so keen to come and watch and uh, uh, you know and play a part in this tour. So from a cultural aspect, I think it was a very very special thing to experience. Benny, for you, um, you know, obviously we, we've been we've been following the warm-up games, but it, but it does feel like the, uh, the, the the tour has has gone up another level in in, in you know the lead up to this game against South Africa, eh? and obviously the match itself. Um, I mean, do, do you get that sense yourself too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually think the game last night was was the best thing that could have happened for both teams because obviously South Africa picked the side they did because. Uh, they're, they're short of match practice. They haven't played together apart from Georgia since the World Cup final in, in 2019. And, and they look really, really good when they came out. But equally, the Lions have been playing a non-test match brand of rugby. And, and it hasn't been the same sort of intensity they'll face against the box. And, and I, I actually think Warren Gatlin might feel slightly happier uh, than Razzy Erasmus with, with how it went. Funnily enough, even though they lost, we know that it's very difficult to win back-to-back Lions Test Series game, so they've now lost one, but it doesn't count in the final reckoning. But I just think they didn't show their hand, the Lions, yesterday. I think they kept a lot in reserve. If you look at how they attacked when they had opportunities close to the line, and, and me and Tommy were talking before we went on, on air about, particularly when they were down the South Africans to 13 men, the opportunity was to go wide, but the Lions didn't take it. Now, is that because they weren't capable of taking it and they didn't didn't look up or is it because they didn't want to show some of the movements that, that could have got them into those wide channels I think the Lions only hope against South Africa is to move that defense around and play in different areas and and get them never comfortable thinking they know where it, the attack's going to come from and I think you know we will see in the test match very different scenario but the Lions now will be under no uh, illusion about how hard it's going to be the physicality of it um, and it was a, it, absolutely lol. It was a step up and it got... The worry was we had that game and everyone thought, oh, a bit of a damp squib. It wasn't, was it? It was a fantastic start. Little, little taster of what's to come. And we all know this is going to be one hell of a series. And Will, I mean, obviously everyone has branded that game as a sort of unofficial fourth test. Um, I mean, let's get into the, the nitty gritty of the match itself. I mean, clearly... Uh, a massive step up physically for the Lions. Uh, they, they've all admitted that as much. Um, they 
they probably gave themselves a lot to do in that first half. You know, they, they, they obviously went 10-0 down. Um, who do you think comes out on top psychologically from, from that performance? Because I know that I've, I've, I've sort of read the reports from both camps and everyone's spinning it in their favour that the, the, the box are saying it's exactly what they needed. Gatlin saying, look, ignore the result. We got enough lessons out of it, etc., etc." But I think there's some, some really strong lessons for the Lions to take on board, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. But both sides are, are facing being pretty undercooked in this series. Uh, South Africa have a second test against Georgia cancelled, but even their first test against Georgia was not, you know, it's nowhere near what they're going to face against the Lions. The Lions played Japan and then three, three provincial sides. It was, well, two provincial sides won twice. Uh, and that, those games were, were pretty, you know, as, as Ben said, they, they weren't test matches. Uh, by any stretch. The rugby was totally different to what we're going to see at Cape Town Stadium uh, a week on Saturday. So the Lions really needed that game. Um, and, and the box, well, I'm calling them a box, South Africa Air yesterday came out and, and they, they were quicker to reach test match intensity, which is, which is pretty incredible when you consider that they haven't played together for 20 months apart from that game against Georgia and actually the fact that they've all been in their hotel rooms for a week. But they managed to hit that level. Uh, but we also saw them tire massively in the second half. There's no getting away from that. But while the Lions couldn't get over the line yesterday, they didn't win the game. They, they sort of were banging at that door. They, they had much the better of the second half. Uh, and I, I think the Lions will be happy. I thought their bench had a big impact. I thought a few players um, went a long way to getting in that test team. Uh, Wynne Jones obviously scored their try. But Tom Curry was another um, Mario Toji was going to play the first test anyway, but he was outstanding. So I, I think I think Warren Gatland will be really encouraged by that performance and very happy that the Lions have had that game. Benny, just focusing on a couple of the sort of real key areas of the game, the breakdown at times, it felt like the Lions were on the back foot, Conor Murray having to really dig in there. The box came with a lot more ferocity than perhaps the Lions have been used to. Um, and it, I don't know whether... I, it was just myself or a lot of people looking at the kicking game clearly of De Klerk at nine and, and staying at ten. It just seems to be that little bit more accurate than, than the Lions. So I'm sure that's a couple of areas in particular that, that they'll focus on. Well, Will was talking about the intensity, you know, and, and, and how remarkable it was for South Africa. I think that comes from the kicking game. You look at the, the game that they played, it was very like uh, Faf de Klerk when he's wearing a sail shirt, wasn't it? In those first few minutes dominating and almost giving the ball back to the opposition and say, we're going to domi dominate you by tackling you and, and, and making your, your breakdown a mess. And the Lions are under a bit of pressure to back up some of their performances with their attacking rugby. So South Africa are the masters at controlling the tempo of a game. And they did that to England in the World Cup final. And, and you, very similar performance last night, just being able to slow everything down, suppress a team that wants to attack. But then when they get an opportunity, they, they like the touch paper and they're gone. And, and really, you know, very similar to the World Cup final, just a couple of moments and suddenly South Africa are two scores ahead. And you're thinking, how did that happen? You know, we've had all the ball. Where, where's it come from? And, and I think the breakdown is going to be absolutely key. But you're right, because a lot, a lot of the pundits last night were saying, don't kick to Cheslin Colby. Actually, you don't want to kick to Cheslin Colby, but you want to make sure that he's got no grass in front of him to run into, because then you've got the best player on the floor at the bottom of a ruck, and he's not able to run in the wide open expanses out wide. So kick to him, but the accuracy for the Lions was really poor early on. Yeah, and, uh, and Tommy, uh, just talk about Cheslin Colby. Give us an idea about... <laughs> How you go about stopping a player of his uh, of his ability? Because uh, uh, whether it's in a Toulouse jersey or, or a Springbok jersey, he's made a lot of players look very uh, very ordinary uh, 
in the in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I. Uh He's why I retired from professional <laughs> rugby, is the fear of facing him in a Toulouse show. I actually just read recently that I think Glasgow could potentially be pulled with Toulouse in, in next year's uh, European competition. So I think, thank goodness for that. Even the, even the mere threat of that would have, would have had me with night sweats. Um, but yeah, look, he's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal winger. Um, he's yeah. done it repeatedly over the last number of years on the world stage, <laughs> club stage. <laughs> he steps a man in a phone box. Um, you look at what he did last night, and I think Ben's alluded to already. There should be no no fear in kicking at all down his wing. It's just about the right type of kick and making sure that the pressure on him when that ball's coming down is good. Because, you know, for all his for all his um, amazing attributes, you know, his stature wise, he can be at someone that can be targeted under the high ball. And the Lions yeah. have got you know a lot of capable guys in that area. So if we kick right on him and don't give him the opportunity to collect and then run back at you, you know, he can definitely be exposed there. But as we've just seen last night. If we get into a kicking battle whereby one long kick goes a little bit too awry, it gets in his hands, you know, he's devastating. And he, he showed that last night with how he set up the try. So um, he's certainly a winger to watch. And he's, he's so exciting and, you know, to watch. And I think everyone that he's in picking up rugby on a, on a casual basis can look at him and, and think, uh, what a player. And Tommy, from a, from a winger's perspective, who's been buying for a test jersey yourself on a Lions tour, obviously... I mean, I think every winger that's played so far has played brilliantly, haven't they, really? You know, Josh Adams obviously gone really well. Van der Merwe's done, you know, fantastically well as well. Lewis Rees-Zamet nearly scored last night, but he's been pushing uh, without putting your neck on the block. I mean, it's going to be very, very tough selection, isn't it, for the uh, uh, for, for Warren Gatland and co. And uh, probably going to go right to the wire. Yeah, I think so. Look, I, I would... I would honestly hate to be in those selection meetings, you know, across the board, but certainly in the back three. They've I mean, I think the fact that the fact that Josh Adams has actually watched his wife give birth over Zoom as well—that probably just <laughs> just just t- just nudges him over the edge. I was about to say that really shows a level of commitment that maybe has pushed him across the line. But look, he's—you know—the fact that he's nearly in double digits, you know, already is is absolutely ridiculous. I know Duan's not far behind. I think you've rightly pointed out the fact that I don't think what any of them have, have put a foot wrong. You know, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Anthony Watson. I think he just shows test credentials whenever he plays. I think he was brilliant again last night with, with the limited amount of ball that we'd like to see realistically in his hands. You know, Duan and Josh have been scoring tries for fun, albeit maybe the competition, they'll argue, hasn't been quite as high for them thus far. But, you know, in the, in the back three, they're, just, they're all so, so capable of building that test spot. And realistically, what you want from a coach perspective is for all of them to be in that mind frame, to be playing at that, that peak level, which they all are. Um, so, you know, very, very difficult. My head on the line, I honestly don't know who, I would, who I'd be picking, unfortunately. Lawrence, one, one thing that we always bring up around uh, winger's selection, and we've seen it, you know, we saw it with Christian Wade. And do you go with what they can do or what they can't do because you know playing against South Africa in particular, you've got Fafta Clerk's kicking game. You need someone that's pretty good under the high ball. Uh, yeah. Can they mark Cheslin Colby? But actually, or do you want someone like Van der Merwe who can do something that no one else on that tour can do and run through people? Well, this is what I was thinking in my own head. You know, on the plane down was, you know, where, where do you apply, you know, the right traits to go against someone, for example, like like Cheslin Colby, you know you're going to be facing a massive kicking game. So someone like, you know, it, it, feels, it feels terrible to say it because the wingers themselves are playing so well in the tour, but you can see a little bit of legitimacy in saying, well, Liam Williams can fill a spot on the wing because, you know, for my money, you, oh, Hoggy is an unbelievable player at 15. You, you've got to find someone with that, 
that electricity at him, you know, a place on the park. But Liam is so good at what he does. He's so, he, you know, he's so consistent under the high ball. You could say, well, the way South Africa are going to attack us, let's put someone like that in the wing spot. Yeah. Having said that, you know, you can put a Duan van der Merwe, and and from sheer size difference, you know that Duan does that with with the biggest of guys opposite him. Let alone maybe potentially one of the smallest. You give him five meters of space to work with, and he's probably going to go over the top of you. I think they're in a, they, you know they've got an embarrassment of riches at the moment with the Lions and the way the wingers are playing and I think any any one of them right now going into the test will do a, do a very good job it's a really interesting question you, you mentioned there Ben because it's, it's does Warren Gatlin neutralize South Africa's strengths or does he actually go after South Africa in a, in a slightly different way and, and if you look at you know the way that the All Blacks beat South Africa in the World Cup in the opening round in the opening match you know, it was actually the kicking game that, that, that actually undid South Africa themselves. Benny, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Lions' game management, particularly in that second half when they were on top and, and the, the Springboks were down to 13 men. They, they were trying to go through the middle of the box, weren't they, and, and, and pick and go and sort of batter them up front when possibly shipping the ball out wide may have been, uh, may have been the right option. I'm sure there was a few wingers there screaming for the ball out wide. Do you, do you think that was a case of just the Lions holding back a little bit and not, not wanting to show their hand completely or, or do you think it was just a little bit of naivety on the night? To me, it's one of two things. It's either that, that, that they're holding back and they don't want to show their hand and, and potentially among the forwards that's the case because I can't believe the forwards think that that's the best way to get over the line, particularly when you're five metres out. They were just a slight bit of variation, a slight bit of movement would have changed the picture. And, and all you're trying to do there when you're five out is, is make someone in the defensive line have a hesitation or make a slight error and then you're over the line. But you need to move them around. It was so comfortable for the box. And you almost feed the beast by doing that. The, the key for me is the halfbacks. And, and they should be controlling that because the, the forwards are... They're doing what they do, but as soon as they can't see whether the defensive line's got narrow, that has to come from Owen Farrell. Now... Is that a Warren Gatland in Owen Farrell's ear? But for me, if Dan Bigger had been there or Marcus Smith had been there or Finn Russell had been there, I think they would have played wider. And, and you know, I think someone that, that made themselves harder to pick for the Test Series, despite Ronan O'Gara saying he should be the Test uh, 10, is Owen Farrell at 10. I'm not saying they won't play him elsewhere, but I think mm. against the box... You've got to have someone with that vision and that, that want to, to, to move that South African team around. So, so for me, it might not be popular with the man sitting alongside me, but I, I'd go for Dan Bigger because I think he's got that good balance of both. Well, listen, we'll, uh, we'll get on to this selection, particularly against the Stormers uh, later on in the pod. But, uh, Will, obviously it's the time where, where, where you take control of proceedings and it's the time where Ben and I sort of cower into the background because it's the, the drop kick challenge. This is the Dropkick Challenge with Fuller's London Pride. Outstanding Amber Ale, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Time for Dropkick Challenge. We've done this three weeks in a row now. If you remember, Lawrence, you're currently leading 12-6. It's Dropkick, so it's... Somehow, yes. (laughs) It's three points for every correct answer. Let's see how you do with this week's challenge. Uh, I've got three questions for you this week. Uh, So you've got a bit of a chance to close the gap, Ben. The first question is... The Lions have played 651 games in their history. I'm not going to ask you to name them all or tell me exactly what result happened in each of them, but 
I need you to tell me how many of those 651 matches the Lions have won. Lawrence, as you haven't turned up, yeah, you can go I, first. I think you should go first here. Well, I've got no idea how many they've won, but I, I know that they've lost about 40, 47% of the games. They've drawn, I don't know, uh. I'd say maybe about another 5%. So this is all games, Lawrence, not just test matches. Okay, all games. Hang on, don't help him out. Don't help him out. So the total number is how many? Show me me your hands, Lawrence. I think you've got a phone (laughs) under the screen. (laughs) 651 games in total, right? So I've got to guess how many. And then Ben's going to go higher or lower than my answer, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say I'm going to say 575. Ooh, they've a, won. They've won five seven five. That's okay. a lot. What's the, what's the total number again? Six five one. Well, that's quite high. That's quite high. I'm gonna. Like, what did you, What did you say? All six. Said, I said uh, five seven five. Five seven five. I'm gonna go five twenty. The answer is four hundred eighty eight. So Ben takes for three yes. points. He slots for drop kick there. They've. If you're interested, they've also drawn 32 times and they've lost 171 games. So Ben takes three points there. 12 9. It's close. <laughs> well done, Benny. Well done. Oh, yeah. It's closing in. On to question two. One of the most successful tours to South Africa was in 1974. This particular Lions team became the only one to go an entire tour undefeated. They won 21 of the 22 games with one of the one draw. What was the nickname of that side? Ooh. Do, uh, do you want to go first, Ben? You look like you know. I, I do know it. I'll tell you what, Lawrence, you write it down, what you think it is, and then hold it up to the camera, and I'll, I'll say before you hold it up. Okay. I think it is, uh, if I've got no idea what it's called, but I'm going to go with... The flower pots. <laughs> the flower pots. <laughs> I'll say it's the Invincibles. Uh, about that? Well, that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> yeah, I, I said it was the Invincibles as well. You're both right. Well, we... It's correct, Lawrence. I mean, well done. I mean, I prefer, I mean, they're the, unlike Arsenal, they're the proper invincibles, <laughs> aren't they, really? Let's be honest. So well done, Benny. I knew you knew that. You can both take your three points from that one. Uh, so what are we, 15-9 now? 15, no, 12. 15-12. Right. Okay, the final question of tonight's Dropkick Challenge is, after winning the first two tests on that tour, the Lions took on the Springboks in what was later dubbed the Battle of Burt Erasmus Stadium in Port Elizabeth. During the second half of that game, an unusual occurrence temporarily halted play. What happened? Uh, this is kind of question of sport vibes now, isn't it? I know this. Ben knows. Do you? What, what happened next? Well, what happened next? I think I do, yeah. It, uh, he doesn't know the answer, I don't reckon. Your broadband connection, not too good. <laughs> well, I mean, other than the 99 call... Um, that's the only thing I can think of. It, it might, it it might have been the 99 call, but... See, I thought it was the 99 call, which basically signalled a mass brawl, which would have been perfect, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think during said mass brawl, one of the South African players' eyes might have fallen out. I think... I think, I think, was, I think is that the glass eye one? That is the glass eye instant. So Ben <laughs> takes our three points here. That's, that's, <laughs> incre- that's well, outstanding well, rugby well, knowledge. Have you been leaving those answers just lying there for Ben to have a little Long. look at? You've got to know your Lions history, mate. You've got to know <laughs> He's a student of the game. Uh, I'll tell you the full story. Um, Gordon Brown, the Lions lock, clipped Joanne De Bruyne Clip. in a tackle. And with that, out came De Bruyne's glass eye. 
Players on both sides and the officials went down on hands and knees looking for the eye. They found it and the game continued. They put it back in. They put it back in. They carried on. Well, so, congr well done, congratulations. What does that, what does that leave us uh, level? Is it now on level points? begging. 15 yeah. all. 15 Perfect. all. It's perfectly poised. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Let's take a look at the latest news from South Africa uh, with the team, uh, which has now been announced to take on the DHL Stormers. Uh, well, I look no further than your wonderful knowledge. Um, you must have... Uh, spoken to the Lions camp. Uh, what, what's the kind of latest news coming out of uh, that camp? I, I suppose it's all about uh, the return of, of, of the, the skipper, Alan Wynne-Jones, is it not? It is indeed. It's, it's a truly incredible story, actually. It's only, he's on the bench against the Stormers on Saturday. That's only three weeks after he was officially ruled out of a tour with a dislocated shoulder. It's an injury that would normally, well, it would rule mere mortals out for much longer than three weeks, but... Alan Wynne-Jones is not a mere mortal when it comes to Lions tours. Uh, he's back out there. Uh, Warren Gatland said last night that he wouldn't be able to train till Monday. Flew in overnight without a plane. Just, <laughs> just flew. Hey, Ben, can you explain to me how, I mean, and explain to all of our, our live audience there, how um, a rugby player, albeit a, a, an amazing player in Alan Wynne-Jones, can, can dislocate his shoulder against Japan? And then less than three weeks later, he'd be back out on the uh, uh, on the aeroplane and join the lines. I mean, this is an extraordinary man with, with extraordinary powers of recovery, right? Yeah, look, he is unbelievably so and really important to the Lions as well. Just that psychological lift of having someone like him walk back into camp. So, right, lads, I'm back. It would just give everyone a huge boost because they all, all will have been gutted when, it, when he went. But there are, I mean, I thought that it was quite interesting how quickly they sort of ruled him out of the tour without actually having gone through all the scans and you know they said that that when they had a look at him it wasn't quite as bad as as they'd feared and and you know perhaps it hadn't fully gone out and, but it was subluxed and then they still needed a bit of putting back in but i think they also have said there's things that they can try that perhaps if he was a 21 year old at the beginning of his career they wouldn't be doing but it doesn't have to last with the same sort of impacts for quite as long. And, and I certainly, yeah, towards the end of my career, I had to change the last six weeks, I had to change the way I lifted in the line out because I'd torn the ligaments in my thumb, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to retire because of the ligaments in my thumb. So I just left it. And actually, as a result, 
when I got round to seeing the doctor, he went, well, if you'd seen me six weeks ago, there was something I could have done about it, but there's not now. So when you get to the end of your career, your, your body and how it behaves for the next sort of 20 isn't, isn't at the <coughs> forefront of your mind. But the, the worry for, for us all is that how does it affect him mentally? We know how strong a character he is and we know, you know what, what an absolute uh, ultimate professional he is. But he's tried it out in training. He hasn't had it in the heat of a test match yet. And, and we don't know whether... Because remember, he, he's obviously missed all that time warm-up games. Yeah. He's missed... The, 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 he, his season finished earlier than some of the players on the tour anyway. So match fitness won't be quite what it should be. So can you risk having him on the bench for a test match, for, for the first test at least, knowing that if you bring him on, what happens if the worst happens and it's not quite right? So do you have to start him and then have, you know, a Courtney Laws on the bench or, or a uh, Tyke Byrne on the, on the bench? I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to it. So that's something that I guess the few minutes that he gets off the bench this weekend will tell us. But what, what an unbelievable strength of mind to say, no, I'm coming back for this. Well, it's an amazing story. And Will, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, that, that, that's the, uh, the, the story that dominated the, the, the press conferences and the news conferences. But, but obviously, when you look at the selection of the Lions team against the Stormers, um, you know, something that Tommy mentioned, Stuart Hogg's got an opportunity now to, to really nail his place in that, in that test side. I guess Robbie Henshaw as well, who, who everyone has on their, in their starting team, you know, he's obviously a player who's had a lot of injury problems over the years. Can he put in a performance to, uh, to warrant test inclusion? And, and what about the, the story of Marcus Smith? I mean, you know, twinkled toes himself. You know, every time he laces his shoes up, you know, something good happens, you know. I mean, it's just been the most incredible story of Marcus Smith all the way from, um, you know, from, from Harlequins, uh, you know, being near the bottom of the table right up to, to now starting at number 10 for the, for the Lions. Yeah, I mean, in a normal Lions selection day, the fact that a guy who found out a week ago or five days ago now when we're speaking that he was going to be on the Lions tour when he left the field playing for England... Um, would be an absolutely incredible story, as it is um, the, the tall captains on the bench when he was ruled out three weeks ago. So it's kind of a bit of a footnote. But it, the, the Smith story is incredible. He's 22, and over the last five, well, we include this weekend, he's going to play for the Lions. He's played his first two England caps uh, over the last two weekends. And the two weekends before that, he won Harlequins for the Premiership final and the semi-final with two of the most outrageous fly-half performances people can remember so it, it is remarkable I can't wait to see him play for Lions and actually it's quite interesting that number 10 jersey because Finn Russell has been he, Smith is there as cover for Finn Russell like for like Dan Bigger was pulled out of last night's game at the last minute with an injury he's not reappearing on Saturday and Owen Farrell has also been carrying a little bit of an injury as well and and as Ben said before he put in a a slightly concerning performance possibly uh, last night. So I think that Lions 10 jersey is really open. I think Big is probably leading the way to, to start, but there's a lot of options. Uh, the other thing is, like, lol, the other thing is he's orchestrated two of the biggest comebacks in Premiership history in his last yeah. two weekends. So if you're chasing the game against South Africa, who are notoriously difficult to chase the game against, when if South Africa are out in front, it's very, very difficult to break things up. Would you have someone like that on the bench that you know is renowned for, for getting his team that looked dead and buried back into things? So if he has a like like Will said, a couple of injuries, if he has a couple of, if he has a good game, 
that must be a consideration, not necessarily for the first or, the, or even the second test, but comes down to it in the third test. He could well feature in this. Weirdly, I actually think those two players, Alan Wynne-Jones and Marcus Smith, might be linked uh, in terms of selection. So Alan Wynne-Jones might be a bit of a doubt going into that first test. If he does play, will they have a 6-2 bench so they can carry an extra lock? And if they have a 6-2 bench, can they afford a specialist fly half on bench? Probably not. I reckon if they have 6-2, you're looking at someone like Elliot Daly, maybe Stuart Hogg, who's a flexible player. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting that. I, I suspect that if Alan, Alan Wynn does get, end up playing, then it'll be, yeah, they will use a 6-2 bench. I wonder in my head with, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely gutted for Finn. I would have loved to have seen Finn had yeah. more of, a, more of a, a, you know, a showing on this tour already. I, I'm a massive fan of his and, and what he brings to the field. I've been played with him and watching him. He, he's such an exciting player to watch. He can really unlock a defence because you never know as a defence what he's going to do. And he's got the skill set to back it up. So there's a like-for-like like thing, which has already been alluded to, but I also think that in, in the back of Warren's mind, he'll be thinking about confidence. And as you've rightly said, with the semi-final and the final and the comeback and the performances that Marcus Smith has shown over the last few weeks, he'll be aware of the confidence right now flowing through his veins. And he'll be thinking as, as a kid and what he's done in recent weeks, that if you put him on a field with that confidence levels, knowing what he's just achieved already back home on home soil, you know, there'll be no fear factor with him. He'll be thinking he can go onto that field and make magic happen because he's shown it already and he'll know that and he'll have that self-belief to back it up. And, and Tommy, just on, on uh, a little word for Stuart Hogg, who obviously gets his opportunity at, at, at fullback. He's a player that you, 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 know, you know a huge amount about. Um, you know, I guess that it's sort of hand in hand with the, with the selection on the wings as well because that back three pendulum is, is, is really, really important. But, but do you see this as an opportunity for him to to really nail down that, 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 that stuff. Because let's be honest, there's, there's a few people that have put their hand up already, including Anthony Watson um, and, and Liam Williams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, Hoggy be the first one to, to give praise to his competition in that spot with, uh, with Anthony and, and Liam, you know, the, uh, the unbelievable 15s themselves. You know, I can't wait to see Hoggy out there. I'm really excited to see him back on the field. He, you know, he arrived on tour a little bit later due to the Exeter finish to the season. You know, he's unfortunately not being able to be involved as much as I know, you know, personally he would have liked. But everyone that watches rugby and has watched rugby the last number of years knows what Stuart Hogg brings to a rugby field. He is absolutely electric. He's, he's got an absolute cannon of a boot, which will be important in, in combating the South African kicking game as well. He leads as well from Scotland from the back as well. So from a communication point of view, from a leadership point of view, he adds you, you know, a great deal from, from the back. He gives assurance to the players around him in that role. And... It, you know, we're going to need to beat South Africa, you know, through scoring tries. And not only does he does he assist in that way by playing the dual receiver on both sides of the ruck, but he can score them himself from from miles out with the speed and the, and the, uh, the ability he's got in his feet. So, you know, I'm really hoping that Hoggy gets on the field on the weekend and, and cuts loose and plays the way he can. Outstanding, the one to watch with Fuller's London Pride, the outstanding Amber Ale. time for us all to pick out a player who we think will make the biggest impact or we're looking forward to making a big impact in this next Lions match which of course is against the DHL Stormers on Saturday um, Ben if I can put you on the spot first maybe up front uh, although you can pick it back if you want to but uh, who is your kind of one to watch this weekend given everything that's happened in selection so far well I think I saw today that this is the, the sixth different front row combination that we're going to see. And 
yeah, I think before the tour started, we all thought that nailed on for Tighthead was Tyke Furlong. I think Sutherland's been brilliant. And I just, now is the time, there's certain combinations on the field where you have to get them playing regularly together and front row's one of those. So I think Warren is potentially thinking this is his starting front row for the Test Series. And, and, and as a result, Luke Caron Dickey is the man in the middle now. Luke Caron Dickey had got the England shirt ahead of Jamie George. Um, it, it, it leapfrogged ahead of him, though. Jamie George came back in, played really, really well. Ken Owens has obviously had a fantastic Six Nations and is playing well. But I just wonder if he's starting to play the front rows as a unit together now. And as a result, is yeah. he thinking in his mind that this could be the first, first test? But I don't think it's a given. And as a result, I think Warren will be saying to Luke Karandicki, you have to go out and perform. And he's capable of doing that. He, he's he's a, 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 such a direct player and, and the sort of player you need against South Africa, particularly early on. And then you can bring perhaps a more open hooker off the bench once the fatigue set in and once you've you've at least matched that physical battle. So I think Luke Karandicki is playing for his test spot, but he's in and around people that potentially could be alongside him in the first test. Yeah, can't argue with that. Will, um, who, who have you got your eye on? Is it someone in the, in the back line or, or are you looking up front as well? We've just been talking about him, but Stuart Hogg, it, there's another reason I'm really looking forward to him, it, it, watching him. It's not because he's joined the team late from uh, Johannesburg because of the isolation issue. That guy's had no luck on Lions tours. It's been so unfortunate. He went as the youngest player in 2013. He was carrying around that Lion, uh, and it just didn't quite happen for him. And he got injured in 2017. He's been one of the most out, you know, consistently outstanding players in uh, the British Isles for the last decade, basically. But getting on for a decade. And I just feel he deserves uh, you know, a, a bit of luck to, to wear that jersey in a test match as well. Uh, so I really hope he has a great game. I think it says a lot about the standing he's held in. But actually on this tour, I think he's only, this is only his second game. He's been captain for both of them. And they, they must, you know, Warren Gatland clearly really rates him as a leader. He's been a good leader for Scotland. Tommy will know a bit more about that than I will. But it, I, I just really hope he goes well this weekend, that he can stay injury-free and that he can have a, have a look at getting in that 23 because I think he deserves it. And, and from, my, from my perspective, obviously excited to see Hamish Watson have another run. I thought Tom Curry, even in a losing side, was, was outstanding and has definitely asked the question of the selectors. But... I'm also looking at that centre combination, Robbie Henshaw and, and Elliot Daly. I think, you know, I, I've known Elliot Daly for a long time. I still believe 13 is his best position. Many might disagree with that. But obviously Henshaw, I think if he has a big game, then I think he asks the question of, of the selectors. And Tommy, for you, um, you know, we've got Van der Merver on one wing, Josh Adams on the other. Um, you know, you mentioned Anthony Watson and, 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 um, and Williams as well, throwing their, their hat in the ring. Do you, I mean, who are you really looking forward to seeing play on Saturday? Yeah, we've mentioned a couple of names that I was looking forward to. Just, I think, as much through lack of opportunity thus far for them in in, uh, in Hoggy and, and Henshaw. Certainly, Robbie Henshaw, for me, is one that you know I'm really keen to, to watch what he'll bring. He had an outstanding Six Nations, and I'm looking forward to watching him cut loose on Saturday. In terms of the, in terms of the winger spots, we've already alluded to on many occasions that, that they're all playing really, really well. One of the things, funny enough, I was impressed with most you know, in the game last night was actually you know, something he not be particularly happy with because I know will be hard on himself is Louis Rees Samet when he was covering a cross on that breakaway try in the first half. The gas and the effort he showed 
to get there, to even put himself in a position to make that tackle was absolutely outstanding. For, for such a young kid, you can see the drive with them all to, to push themselves. Van der and, and Adams devastating both of them for different reasons. I think it wouldn't surprise me if they both picked up a try, you know, a try piece, if not more. Um, you know, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Josh Adams at the moment. I just as much about just keenness to see how many tries he can rack up on this tour. So I'm hoping he gets across the wash wash a couple of times and gets into double digits. Well, listen, uh, thanks, gents. That's it for this episode. It just remains for me to say an enormous thank you to this week's special guest, Tommy Seymour, and of course to Ben Kay and Will McPherson. Thank you all for joining us. Next time, I'll obviously try and be there in person for a pint. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like it, subscribe, and let all your friends know about it. Thank you very much indeed. See you next time. Lawrence Delalio's Lions Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.